healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement of the television quarters. You are now tuning in to another exciting adventure with us here on Jumping the Podcast. I am your host, Kevin. As usual, we are so happy to have you here in the basement yet again. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed Monday's episode if you tune in. It was a nice little celebration of the uh, town we love, DMV adjacent. That is uh, one of the artists we played, uh, Odd Mojo, sort of added us on Twitter and said, Hey, but I'm from Capitol Heights, Maryland. Uh, you know, all these little areas around D.C. are what makes up D.C. Because D.C. is so so tiny. It's a small little place where all the shit happens. Uh, including the bad shit that happened uh, last night. I'm taping this on, on Wednesday, the State of the Union. I'm sorry uh, for those of you who watched that as we did. And uh, all I can say is something I'm going to echo at the very end of this podcast is fuck Trump. And I'm going to leave it at that. Maybe we'll have another discussion later on. But... Um, what we're talking about today is an album uh, that has set the groundwork, I think, a little bit for the history of politics and sort of rebellion and music. We're talking about the Dixie Chicks. Now, they got famous through the rest of the world, I think. Uh, the people who don't really give a shit about country music. Because some remarks they made about George Bush way back in the day. But before that, uh, they had uh, a bunch of albums as a little bluegrass band. Then in 1988 or 1998, they they added a new singer and uh, and blew up with an album called Wide Open Spaces, which is now 20 years old, and uh, it it set the tone. I think back then in the late 90s for the future of pop country, um, in many ways the future of pop, and uh, and established them as superstars. They had uh, uh, just a string of hits from this. And uh, went on to do an album called Fly. Um, and uh, most recently, you could have seen him, I think, uh, performing with Beyonce at the Grammys, which is amazing. But, uh, anyways, the Dixie Chicks are rad. And uh, it was Eduardo's idea to, to sort of talk about that. So, joining us today are Eduardo and our friend Marcus K. Dowling. This is uh, officially the country panel. We got to come up with a name for this, guys. We got to have a. Have like an outlaw country name, like the Banditos or something like that. I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So we, we we sat down, we had a a great conversation, sort of reminiscing about this album, where we were when we heard it, what was else, what else was going on, what it means today, and then uh, got into a fascinating conversation about sort of what it means um, to make this type of music in a politically toxic environment, and uh, it's a really great conversation. Uh, off, off to a good start this year. For doing stuff like this, it, it, it tickles our minds. Um, but that's your podcast then for you. That's what we're going to be doing. So if this is your thing, and you are set, you have your snacks, you have your beverages. Hopefully, you have your kitten. Uh, Sam is not down here right now. I don't know. Uh, he's just getting fed, so he'll be down here sooner or later. Uh, but you have your kitten, your dog, whatever, and you're ready to to join us in some music nerdy. Let's head on to the down to the basement to meet. My friends Eduardo and Marcus talk about Dixie Chicks' classic album, 
Wide Open Spaces. What Sam is Sam covered so much ground. In Sam's one an week. athlete. I've been. I, I gave a little update on Sam in the last podcast, and I, and I want you guys maybe to update. Oh, Gizmo's down here now. So yeah, to see. Uh, so Sam is first of all for our listeners out there. If you were wondering, Sam no longer has his balls. Yeah, that happened two days ago. Um, it's which probably is time. which is you should neuter your cats. Like you know, with, yeah. with Bob Barker was like spay your animal. Yeah, he's yeah, a big yeah. advocate. Um, he's fine. You would think uh, that, and I know a lot of me too, not me too, like not all men guys, men's right guys, like, oh, you take their balls. I know some people are upset. Look, it's it's good for yes. everything. Yeah. And uh, and, and he, he doesn't miss them. He's a little bit lighter. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's fine. But but he, he is the same uh, loving Sam that none of you have met, but uh, I think you guys in the basement can attest to. He's, he's kind of awesome. Sam's the best. He's, he's, he's phenomenal. He's uh, I will also, uh, before we really get into this, point out that Mr. Dowling here had a uh, hop slam. I did. I <laughs> now, did. Now, Marcus, you don't necessarily drink too much. No, I don't. I, and, I, 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 and I typically drink when I'm here. And I will tell you that uh, a hop slam will fuck me up. So, yeah. So if you're listening now and you're like, "Whoa, is this going to be crazy?" It might be, it or might it might be. not. It, we'll we'll you see how it goes. I, I, I feel, I feel, I feel very mellow. <laughs> <laughs> so so Marcus is also wearing I just noticed Marcus is also wearing a Dave and Buster's shirt which is amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Am. I'm wearing a shirt that says winner. It does. Yeah. It. And then, yeah, no, it's, yeah. Well, you won. Yeah. I I thought about putting in the uh intro. It's like uh, drunk history crosses with sound opinions. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, test, we'll test market that because yeah. I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good. That's a good. That's, a, that's, a, that's our niche right there. No, we're we're here uh, because of you, uh, said Wardo. Because a couple of weeks ago you said, "Hey, me and the lady, we've been listening to the Dixie Chicks a lot. It was a steady diet. Do you know how good the Dixie Chicks are?" And I was like. No, I do not. I mean, <laughs> let me check. Uh, which is not to say I was unfamiliar with the Dixie Chicks. I know the Dixie Chicks fine, uh, but it, it wasn't a thing that ever kept up on my radar. But, um, you know, they are, I think, one of the seminal country pop bands, and and we're gonna dive into like their biggest album. I think. Well, no, it's not even their biggest album. It's their, it, it was it was the it was album the, that made them. Let's yes. put it that way. It's the first album. On on a major label, and going a little background, you know, this was a quartet uh, out of Dallas, Texas, and they were doing what everybody does in the nineties. Um, it was playing bluegrass, right. and on that scene, I mean, what? I, and I was thinking about this the other day. What were the outlets like? Because jam bands were doing their thing, and his, and and historically would pull bluegrass along with that. And I, and I am thinking about yeah. Fish, yeah, uh, and and would pull bluegrass bands along with that. They not necessarily follow the tour, but they would certainly. Uh, if you listen to Fish, you knew who the Dixie Chicks were, probably. Um, or if you were like on the Horde tour at that time, you you knew you, you were more in tune with that stuff. They 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 won like uh, best new band or something at Telluride, yeah, in yeah. the earlier mid nineties. When Telluride put did not on, allow yeah. pieces of shit like Ryan Adams. Yes, when when Telluride yeah. was still a bluegrass festival. Yeah, yeah. but 
but this band, uh, they, they they did what all bluegrass bands do, and, and they struggled with that until it came time to take the next step, and they just couldn't, they couldn't make it. Like, people weren't feeling it, and they're like, how oh, you do? And, look, if you think it's hard in the indie rock world, <laughs> let me tell you about bluegrass, boys and girls. <laughs> like, please, please tell them about bluegrass. Yeah, because, because bluegrass is like, bluegrass is like jazz, except it's like, you're, instead of dealing with, like, cultured, generally like African-American right. people, or, like, highly cultured, like, sympathetic white people, you're talking about angry rednecks whose families can play banjo better than, like, you have ever heard. Yes. That's a, I mean, that's a real thing. No, if you that's go to absolutely a, a real. Fiddler's Convention, like... Yeah, before before you're like before you're considered anyone in the bluegrass world, you're sort of cutting your teeth in the parking lot at mm. bluegrass festivals, which right. is sort of the equivalent of like freestyling outside of a show or it's, something. It's like exactly you have to, like yeah. freestyling outside like, of a, until yeah. you've earned the respect of the circles in that parking lot. Like no one is going to give a shit what stage you're on, how many records you've sold, because that's where you have to prove yourself. Yeah, and and, and so this is. So, so this is an immensely like competitive thing, but so I was I was gonna say real uh, quick, yeah, yeah, like so like the thing about the Dixie, Dixie, the Dixie Chicks for people that are listening to this, you may just be aware of like Wide Open Spaces, which is this the, the mm-hmm. single from this album, and the fact that they got really mad at the president once. Um, like I was getting there, yeah, we're getting there, but uh, <laughs> but no, so like the thing about the Dixie Chicks that's amazing is that they survived this scene, and they didn't survive it unscathed. Which is, like, the highlight, actually, of this album. So, like, for people who are fans of, like, indie rock or people that are fans of, like, underground rap or whatever, this is, like, say, your favorite underground rap act. This is, like, say, Slaughterhouse. For people yeah. that love underground <laughs> yeah, rap. Yeah, yeah, Slaughterhouse. Right. Yeah. So, say it's, like, you know, it's, like, Joe Budden and, like, if, amazing if it's metal, rappers. it's just Slaughter. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you, let's say, like, you know, like, say, like, Slaughterhouse got, like, a mainstream album record and then it was, like, Joe Budden was just, like, kicked out of the group. Because it was like he was just like too yeah. hard to release a, a mainstream record. It's kind of like the thing with the Dixie Chicks, where like there's a quartet, and then yeah. for this record, there are threesome. Yeah, and it, like yeah. it works. They're a trio, and, so and, it works. And and what happened uh, was, I believe, is Laura Lynch uh, yeah. uh, left the band uh, at the behest of their A and R guy, who was like, "I can get you signed," and then uh, you know. This but, is... it, but it seems to have been somewhat. I don't think it was um, acrimonious. No, I mean, I think, no, I think no, it certainly I, wasn't. I think she left partly because she wanted to stay home and sort of didn't see yeah, touring, right. leading to fourteen million albums right, sold right. in the next like, year or two. So and, enter yeah. enter Natalie Maines, uh, and 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 then this album, Wide Open Spaces. You know, and this is actually their fourth album. Yeah. So you know they they've they've been around since nineteen ninety. They're doing stuff. Uh, but then they release a, a song uh, like this, and I, it's impossible to do this research correctly. But if you want to find the singularity where pop and country like truly melded, I, I think this is a strong candidate. Uh, so I can love you better. Yeah. So
you like it poppy as fuck with just a little bit of twang, uh, that's it. That is, uh, I've mentioned many times about my experience in the 90s with Pumpkin. Yeah. Uh, packing furniture in my family's company mm-hmm. and seeing this wave of, of popular country. I'm mean, talking like when Randy Travis first hit, when mm-hmm. Garth Brooks first hit, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And seeing where it goes. I mean, this time I'm not doing this, but this time I'm, you know, I don't, know, I don't even know where I was. But, uh, you, clearly Nashville had caught on. Right. Uh, in no small part, I think, to like Garth Brooks, but more importantly, I think uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah, they they saw the pop because cro- yeah. that crossover of that song was unavoidable. You, I mean, it, it was on pop radio. It was on, and pop radio played it even back in the day before Ironic was hip. Like they played it ironically. <laughs> yeah. No, K ninety two and Ironic played it, and it was just like, come on, yeah. dudes, you can't play that shit. I I want to contextualize this two different ways. I want I want to talk about. Real quick, what was going on in the country landscape, though? God, we had that conversation today. Garth, Garth was in here, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you also have George Strait still putting out stuff out. Faith Hill's Faith. Yep. Yeah. And this was the transition from where she'd go on stage making, uh, uh, looking like a tomboy, of baseball caps. And yeah. She really, yeah. really, really embraced it. Glamorous Faith Hill. Lucinda Williams' car wheels on a gravel oh, road. Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, that, that yeah. is... That Vince, is, that's Vince Gill that's right. is, put, is still putting out albums at this point. Um, let's see, going through this, who we got here? Uh, Teatro, mm. which is, I, I, this is what you're talking about, Marcus. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to talk about that on a later podcast. That is, to my mind, one of Willie Nelson's finest moments. Yeah. Uh, but that that's country. And that is, so he's a country icon doing something that is decidedly out of place, out of time, completely. Um Billy Ray Cyrus has an album. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, he's Ooh. never any. Well, I love, I, and I love situating this song as an opening song in that context because yeah. there's almost, I, and, and I, I, I doubt it was there originally, but in hindsight, what I kind of hear it is them actually addressing country music fans yeah. and saying, hey, we can do better by you than the people you've been listening to. Yep. Right. Reba, right. Brooks and Dunn. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are, these are all people that uh, Leon Rhymes even had, had, had become establishment by yeah. that point. These are all people that are, are the, that whatever that generation of country was trying to hold on to country, and this sort of blasts it into this pop sphere. And so then to put it up against what it was actually competing against, and what, what did this sell? Fourteen million? Yeah, that was by two thousand three, uh, right? Yeah, I think it's tw- I think it's but it, it sh- but it ship it ship platinum. So like ship platinum, it ship platinum, it hit diamond, yeah. And, and I don't even it, know what it, it is in twenty right. Yeah, but it's but, I think it's the sixtieth best selling album of all time in right. the United States. So if you think oh, about it, Jesus like Christ. it's it's about four hundred thousand units ahead of Pearl Jam's ten. Yeah, to so, put that in context. Right. So oh my think God. about how yeah. many people you knew who owned Pearl Jam's right. ten. <laughs> so so there's a thing with this album. Okay, so like if you look at nineteen ninety eight as like a, on the pop landscape and also in the country landscape. Let's address that before you get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The albums that it's competing with. Thanks, because I was going to do that, and thanks for doing. Miseducation, Lauren Hill. Ooh. Yeah, Hello Nasty. Mm-hmm. Aquemini. Yeah, mm. this is a weird one. Moon Air Safari. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was, that was out there. You had uh, in the airplane over the sea. So that yeah. that was a whole yeah. different side of things, a whole different movement. Um, let's see, uh, Fat Boy Slim's you've come a long way, baby. So dance mm. is really big in there. Yeah, Marilyn Manson, not even his first album, Mechanical oh, Animals. Yeah, is fucking out out in there. Um. Oh man, uh, Black Star, uh, wow. Most Deaf, and Talib Kweli. Uh, you've got let's see the Love Movement. 
an unappreciated underappreciated tribe called Quest album. Yeah. Metallica's on the decline. Uh Robbie Williams is on the upswing. Wow. Or something. Um, yeah, no, no, that is it. And one of one of three hundred greatest got hits of Tupac stars directing our so, fates. So so this is this is where it's dropping in. And and, and so so Marcus, I think that's where you're going with yeah, that. And so, and, and so yeah. you have this competing with that radio space, this wasn't just but, on country radio. But that's the crazy part. It's not competing. Okay. Rock, this is the beginning of the Rock is Dead movement that was ah. taken over by agro rap rock. So, like, you have this little space in time between, like, say, the end of the grunge movement and the beginning of the new metal movement, where people believe that Rock is unable to do anything. Rock is, you know, like, just... Dying, for lack of a better term. New with the you and the umlaut. In you, yeah, umlaut. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> you, you have this this era where country, intriguingly enough, like pop country exists, if only to take all of the tropes of like arena rock and hair metal ballads and to put them into the country space in a way that's like really sustainable because... The people that are left who still listen to rock as like real music also are people who listen to country and bluegrass yeah. and folk as real music. So you get this wonderful cross section of this is where rock went. And this is this album succeeds because all of the tropes of all of the great rock songs that you liked in between like 85 and like. 91 it's an interesting take on this it's an interesting take on that because like you guys know i am a fan of 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 the speed wagon right and and toto and not actually yeah. not toto toto sucks but they don't <laughs> they don't they don't they have I mean, great africa songs. everybody's but right i can't, I can't never africa. tell the difference between them and survivor and that's a problem right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a problem, problem they don't have anymore but back in the day it was a problem yeah. i ended up buying like the album after the good survivor album <sighs> and i'll I'll take a listener. Mistakes were made. A listener's <laughs> comment to inform us as what that was. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, it, it it took these, like you said, the tropes of everything they're talking about that weren't necessarily country stuff. Because if you put on 70s country and even early 80s country, there's a lot of, and I really can't think of what we see that in today, the genre, but there's a lot of uh, of of sort of like, antagonistic songs right. about like you can't believe I'm country I'm so country this I'm so country I was country before it wasn't cool exactly before it was cool right. and 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 you see all this stuff and and that is not a part of this right at all yeah. no but 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 I think there was this huge I think where there was a where, where there was a gap and I think to a lot of people uh they just didn't understand what was happening in that gap is is that this is also sort of the end of radio. Um, right. Right. As a, as this a is dominant... like, like Clear Channel is sort of coming on in the late 90s. Most of your good local alternative stations are are beginning to die, if not dying. And if and if and if they haven't died, there hasn't been good alternative music to play on the radio since the yeah. early 90s anyway. And so and I, and I remember sometime in probably 96, 97 on a road trip with some friends who were legitimately into country and they were like, we're going to listen to this. And I was like, and, and, you know, about three or four songs in, I was like, oh, this is everything I like about good 80s pop, right? Yeah. The lyrics are clever. There's usually a story. Uh, the music is incredibly glossy and professionally played. Yeah. 
Um, and it's just that delight of feeling like this is a really well-crafted mm. thing. And it wasn't something that, you know, and, 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 and because grunge had essentially <laughs> killed pop, quote right. unquote, and it wasn't until the early 2000s that pop sort of came back. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, I think where country came in for a lot of people was sort of as an alternative to like, it was music that didn't have any weird tribal baggage for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. So I, I wanted to make the point also that like a lot of these grunge acts signed to like three album deals so like around this time you have all of these acts kind of like either like hitting the point where they had really no ideas or they just like were just burnt out at this point poor jawbox that article that and i I love for your own special sweetheart that album is very special to me but you're at this point where like okay so like and all the country acts you mentioned too to get this back in the country are all at a point where they're just a little long in the tooth they're yeah. long in the tooth, and none of them are Garth. I mean, right? I mean, we yeah. haven't really. Uh, Garth is is the the elephant in the room with country. Period. Because he he changed the industry. Right. Was this the point where he was playing for the Padres yet? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that happened. But but yeah, I mean, you were you were measured against not Garth's music, which his early music was actually super legit, but later it got more towards the bad side of foreigner and <laughs> yeah yeah um right. but but if you were in nashville mm. like these were well they were in D- dallas but working with people in nashville like that was the metric like you saw this guy who had saved country music like fuck saving country music in 2018 garth brooks saved country music yes and you know it's hard to like picture making anything or hearing anything in that context because like there's we're gonna play a song uh pretty quick here the idea that they were a bluegrass band and had to adjust to this is in this is the most fascinating thing to me about the dixie chicks besides their hatred of george bush which is amazing but (laughs) but uh but but this transition into the like that that's not an easy transition that's not something that would be obvious and it is a testament to the talent of the people in this band that they can just be like okay we're used to doing this but you want us to like do this music they clearly love yeah but they're like in their 20s and 98 yeah you know they they you know they heard like i want to know what love is you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) right right um but like the most wide open hit on this album uh, is the title of the album, and and it, and we're gonna do that, and then we're gonna get into some deeper tracks because there is some really phenomenal work on this. But uh, but wide open spaces is uh, it, it's the American dream in 1998. Not so much anymore. But, uh, here you go. Who doesn't know what I'm talking about? Who's never left home? Who's never struck out to find a dream and a life of their own? A place in the clouds, a foundation of stone. Many precede and many will follow. A young girl's dreams no longer hollow. It takes the shape of
you know who the uh, somebody we haven't brought up yet, but we will eventually get into towards the end of this. Uh, uh, people we love, uh, Lori McKenna, yes, and, and Casey Musgraves, yes. And the reason they're successful is because uh, Natalie Maines was doing this back in the nineties, mm-hmm. and when Lori McKenna was certainly around uh, doing stuff, but Casey Musgraves was not, but. The influence can be felt over decades of, you know, you were talking about the little like lift in her voice and, and and there's, there's just a way to tell a story that maybe it works better with twang or uh, I don't even think it does. I think it just, when you compare it with the right instrumentation, then it works. And in country, it's easier. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I, you know, so I think Natalie Maines can own a song like very few performers can. I think I think the middle verse on Not Ready to Make Nice, where she sort of delivers her like angry, right? Her sort of like, I mean, it's just it's, it's just a sublime pop moment of pure blinding rage delivered by someone who's just like standing on this golden podium, casting <laughs> judgment down yeah, yeah. on people. And it is fucking glorious. And and it's hard uh, not to go back and and. You know, you hear, you, you know, you sort of divide their career up into sort of the pre-George Bush comments and the post-George Bush comments in a sense. And and the songs that that seem to have aged really well and that I think really resonate are a song like this, which seems to, you know, she's calling for room to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And, you know, she's going to she's going to make a big one. <laughs> right. And in, in, in just a couple well, of years. Yeah. Um, and then and then after she does that, she's going to uh, and not a mistake. I mean, it's just it's a, you know, from a business it's standpoint, a, it, it, was, it was a mistake in the eyes of the public. And, yeah. and the public in this case is at fault. But then she comes back on the next album and the opening song is taking the long way, which is just such a, a rousing defense of like, listen, fuck things up. I did it my way. I never took a straight line anywhere. Right. It's right, our six, right. six strong hands on us on the steering wheel. Yeah. And we took the long way to get there, but we got to where we wanted to be. And there's there's just this incredible poignancy about their career and about and even, you know, songs uh, on like on Fly, the album that came out after this one, you know, the song Ready to Run. There's all these that that song is constructed with a like when this thing happens, I'm going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Right. And when this thing happens, I'm going to be ready. And and again, it's just a song that gains so much weight in hindsight, thinking about how they were the first uh, pop stars, I think, of their generation to be completely crucified and shut out right they were at the top of the game and they were basically like kicked out they they were and, the only denied. ones they, i think they were the only ones since cash people were fired for playing their yes, records they were. Yes, right? they were. like i mean like yeah. djs who played their songs after yeah. the george bush comments were fired for doing and, that and, think and, about and, how and, crazy and, that and is and this is where this is where music becomes a weapon when right. when you can uh, smuggle truths into i mean you know they they were taking issue with specific comments that she said, which uh, the actual quote was they were playing uh, in London, uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire, and uh, they were playing the song Traveling Soldier, and Maine said, just so you know, we're on the good side with y'all. We do not want this war, this violence, and we're ashamed that the President of the United States is from Texas. Yeah. Compare that to what Trump said about the Gold Star family, the cons. Yes. Well, right? yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people exactly. were angry about those crazy, comments. Right? Boy, and, I have news for them. And honestly, yeah, and now that's quaint. Yeah, that, that yeah. we it's quaint and, and sort of personally horrifying that we were that concerned about like the Iraq War, yeah. which is horrible, right. but not where we're at now. And in that, 
they found, but the thing is, they came back, and in that, mm-hmm. they found that their ability to deliver a message is more important, uh, is the most important thing. I mean, and so it's a decision, you know, when we talk about politics and music, you know, these are all, and a lot of country is, but this specifically is a lot of, a lot of this album is about empowerment. Yeah. And it's about female empowerment. And that defiance, that's, that's their and best mode. And in 1998, yeah. like if you think about the Me Too movement now in, in 2018, so 20 years ago, like they're just saying like these are the things that that are actually important, uh, but not explicitly. Goodbye, Earl came out the year after this. Yes, yeah. on, the, on yeah. the album after this. Right, right, right. right. I mean, um, right, which is like shoot the person that has yeah. been beating and, you, and and, and look, we're, we'll <laughs> yeah. advocate for that. So, so uh, co-sign. Yeah, I just want to jump in real fast. Um, okay, so it's funny you mentioned that because there's also a thing with Miranda Lambert and Pistolanis yeah. and that whole like movement. That's holy. Dependent. It's literally like yeah. the Pistol Annies existed in country music right. because right. you could no longer do anything with the Dixie Chicks. Like the right. country music right. industry was like, when you we saw, need you three saw women. Up. Right. Like we need three women to sing pop songs that we could put on the radio. And, Guaranteed. And look, we're three men talking about this. And that's, that's sort of shameful because, uh, you know, this is stuff that certainly wasn't at the forefront of my mind no. when this album was out. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah, uh, and and I'm older than you guys. Like you guys yeah. got an excuse yeah, of youth, exactly right. <laughs> so, I don't, yeah. and you know, uh, uh, and so it, the Pistol Annie's being an example. Like they shut down yeah. one, and then Pistol Annie's pop up, right? But I don't, think, like, I don't think Pistol Pistol Annie's really popped up. I think it's a thing where you realize, oh my god, this thing that okay. So like the the thing that we the Dixie Chicks when it comes to Pistol Annie's is like. So, okay, so I always use people that like the Pistol Ladies to, like, link them back to the Dixie Chicks and say, this is a better version of this thing that you like right here. Because the Pistol Ladies are literally just, like, Dixie Chicks 2.0, Dixie Chicks Light. Yeah. In a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. And, like, Dixie Chicks, like, absurdly pop to a level where, like, they're smacking you in the face with pop music. Like, ha, Mm -hmm. all the tropes. We we drink and take drugs and act crazy. Here you go. Yeah. And the Dixie Chicks never have to do that. So a point I want to make about Natalie Maine. So they do have that song "Sin Wagon," which is fucking awesome. So good. <laughs> I, I, I feel a sin coming on his mind. But um, but anyway, so uh, they talk about sin. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, so Natalie Maines was not the original lead singer to the, the Dixie Chicks. He was mm. like the person that was put installed as the lead singer because they were making a mainstream pop album, and they had these great songs that like a team of songwriters had written, and they're like, we need somebody who could like do the job. Yeah. And the thing about Natalie Maines is, like, everything from, like, okay, so, like, one of the the key things to think about is, like, Something to Talk About by Bonnie Raitt is, like, (laughs) Grammy's Record of the Year, I think, in 1991. And it won, and people were, like, stunned and shocked and appalled that the country record, the country-ish record won. And there's a thing in Natalie Maines' voice that starts there. And then there's a thing in Natalie Maines' voice that goes all the way back to, like, you know, like, this folk tradition into, like, uh... Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And then it goes all the way into like the modern tradition where like, yeah. the, like their singles were routinely crossover hits on this record, their debut pop album. And, this... th- and then they also have, oh, sorry, but uh, just uh, as part of the trio, they, the other kind of secret weapon is they have sibling power. In right. Emily and we and talked Marty. about yeah. that on the Van Halen right. podcast. That's coming. <laughs> that Van Halen Which podcast. is, and, and, Emily, and, and, and frankly, I was not, um, even though I did listen to some uh, FM country at the time. 
uh, what convinced me to start listening to the Dixie Chicks was the fact that Emily uh, Robinson, who plays the banjo, was yes. actually on the cover of the banjo newsletter, which I subscribed to at the time. And 10 months out of the year, it was an old white dude on the cover. Yeah. Or sometimes a young white dude. And sometimes <laughs> not even a banjo player yeah. like Chris Thiele. Yeah. And so when there was a woman on the cover, you were like, what is happening here? And it was like, and, and, sh and she basically said, it is a huge fucking honor to be in the banjo newsletter, right. which probably had a distribution list of 800 people at the time yeah. nationwide, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but that sort of goes back to their, to their kind of roots in the bluegrass world and how they were able to do all this, but still kind of stay true to that, to that world because they had the chops. Right? They had the chops. And, 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 and to your point, Marcus, you know, Natalie Maines clearly studied and internalized all that. Yeah. Uh, and clearly, if you if you saw their performance with uh, Beyonce. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like that. That was a layup. This is <laughs> like a layup. It's like, oh, this isn't going to work. But it's like, wait, Natalie Maines is the lead singer of Dixie Chicks, people. People. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. wake up. This is not impossible. Um, but. Uh, but that combination of that sort of punk, like personality, mm -hmm. and it paired with talent, because yeah. that's 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 how that works. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can't you can be like angry as fuck, but if you don't have the talent to back you up, nobody's gonna listen. Yeah. And, yeah. But the combination of that, and then what we talked about the sibling stuff the, the, this chemistry produced. Uh, I think what you said is one of the better country songs. Pretty much ever. Yeah, I, th I think it and is. Yeah. I I kind of agree, and I, and I think, but I I'm going to go a little further. I would put tonight the heartaches on me in the pantheon of stuff like what uh, Henley and Fry were doing. Uh, oh and, shit, and the Eagles yeah. and stuff. Because yeah. why why put up barriers between any of uh, of that stuff? I mean, do you want to call the Eagles one of the great country acts of all time? They're the greatest. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. And we'll talk about them someday. It's another band we haven't talked about, uh, but. But I'm glad you said that. But this song is it it touches on that and it's it look, it's not Hotel California, but if you're if you're a country fan and you're into this album and you hear it like this is this is perfect. This is like yeah. this is the thing George Jones would be like. Yep, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna put that on in my lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of song where you hear it and you're like, "Am I sure this isn't a George Jones song yeah. that they're covering?" Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Tonight the heartache song. Two things right there is, uh, you know, being from Texas and Texas is not known for pop music. It is known for uh, country swing. A lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now we have artists, in, and he was back in the day, Dale Watson, 
uh, Ray Benson asleep at the wheel, mm-hmm. oh. uh, stuff like that. And and that is on a record where it's a lot of pop, and trying to sneak something like that in is is just fucking phenomenal because uh, we know now how country musical listeners have acclimated to uh, pop. Yeah. They expect it. Red Solo Cup. Uh, she, yeah. she was riding in my Jeep, or we did yep. we did donuts, or I, I don't even know what to Or fight. the answer, Girl in a Country Song, which yes. is, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, a great yeah, retort to that. To yeah, that Girl in a Country Song. Um, She's got to buy a like, back route. Yeah, but, but but back then they weren't. They still weren't quite doing that. And 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 if there's anything to ding the Dixie Chicks for is that they by relenting to that they ushered in like this whole thing. Like, oh, it's okay because you expect it from the dudes, right? Right. But like when the ladies are also doing it, it's like, oh, what are you doing? And then when you hear that they can do that, because that yeah. is. Uh, I'm the only one in this room who's been to Lukenbach, Texas. That is what you would see at Lukenbach, Texas Man. on Saturday night. And it is it's what country, I think, a part of country was built on. So I don't want to, I know Marcus has a fire point that he's going to get to. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I will say that I think, um, you know, my, my, my kind of uh, minor issue with the Dixie Chicks is I think they were a band that could produce just stellar individual tracks and every one of their albums has about to me five or seven tracks that i think are just absolutely perfect and then the rest of it's sort of uneven which is kind of a it's it's a little bit of function of like that's an 80s album yeah it's a function of like of the old school mentality of like you need to have you have a cd you got 77 minutes you got to fill it up Mm -hmm. um and uh uh, and some of it is just i i I assume a little bit of the sort of the big kind of uh, major label machinations uh of of the time but but so they're interesting to me from the standpoint that the longer their career goes on the fewer concessions you see to the idea of like conventional shitty country and the more and the more you see of a kind of like defiance and the more you see of a like um them not so and and interestingly too you know the live album they just put out um a lot of the songs on here that play like uh so like uh loving arms uh you were mine once you've loved somebody, these sort of more conventional lovey songs, the torch songs, kind of yeah. the Shania Twain type songs. Yeah, mm-hmm. they don't they don't play those songs. They're not right. They're not they're not right. interesting to them anymore. The songs that resonate with them are totally different. They cover Bob Dylan's Mississippi on that live album, well, which is they're bluegrass fantastic. musicians. Why would it yeah, be right? Like, right. Like like they're bluegrass musicians who got lucky to make a living utilizing their talents, just not quite in the way they did it. Right. Uh, they wanted to. But uh, yeah, I mean, why? I mean. Of course they're not gonna. Like, yeah, they're not gonna revisit. They're like, nah, man, we're past that. And 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 like that also is is why they've had a career as long, despite the little hiatus. Uh, that was bullshit. You know, they in saying what they said about George Bush, they instantly became one of the most important voices. Uh, in, in America, at least, and then playing at the CMAs after Toby Keith CMA. criticized them wearing an FUTK shirt, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just the ultimate baller move. I yeah, think. it's but, the ultimate yeah. baller move be, be, because what we don't get out of country, and we correctly called this on the uh, CMAs last yep. year, uh, is, is any criticism of our government, of our current state of affairs, and and I don't want to cast the entire like country music. Uh, listenership as as falling in, into the Trump zone but look it, it there's a lot I mean there's mm-hmm. a lot of overlap and these voices back then and back now 
more important to to sort of fighting that. I mean, it's not this machine kills fascists, but it's also not not. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So 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 to this fire point, thank you for saying yeah. that, Eduardo. Yeah, yeah. Um there's a whole thing about like early two thousands like pop rock and pop rock is a very important category to this whole thing. Because it doesn't exist anymore. It literally does not exist. Like the idea of like radio friendly top forty pop rock that like is made by Singer songwriter acoustic people. guitar driven yeah. from people who used to play in coffee houses. Exactly. Like you were so yeah. I was gonna make this point about KT Tunstall, who mm-hmm. was a star literally in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. At no other point was she ever a star than the year two thousand and five. She's Scottish. So to the point, hmm. okay, so there's a thing about country music. This is the whitest point that a black male will ever make on this podcast. <laughs> um there's a thing about country music that it's based in the tradition of Europe Anglo European settlers in north america that's one of the mm-hmm. key points about country and key points about folk is that it's heavily based on that tradition so the idea that kt tunstall music sounds celtic right, right could so. do like suddenly i see in black horse in a cherry tree in 2005 and be a scottish singer songwriter and have sudden hit stardom in america no it's yeah. There's a part of the Dixie Chicks, actually, if you listen to this album, where, like, you know, if you hear, like, you know, the banjo that is played and you hear, like, these instruments that have a very, like, folk country tradition in them, when you hear pop suddenly sound like this in, like, 2004, 2005, 2006, it, it falls out of that tradition of, like, being able to take yeah. part of the Dixie Chicks formula. That's not even a part of the formula that they're, like, putting out there, like, this is a thing that we do, mm-hmm. but it's, like, the secret sauce. You take the secret sauce and you actually like do it like brazenly in front of people and it works and it worked extraordinarily well. So, I mean, that's something to think about. Like as far as like everything about what the Dixie Chicks did at this album being like prime engineered to like hit the top of the charts. They, and they were so careful about the construction of this. So, you, you know, you know, one of the challenges that you have with, for example, bluegrass music is that there's only so many different kinds of sounds you can get out of four acoustic instruments. Right. Right. And that's why a lot of like more new grassy acts will have like a spacey moment or something where they're and and it's just because because an acoustic banjo can only do so much. Right. Uh, The way they organize and kind of arrange the instruments throughout the song. So um, on uh, on There's Your Trouble, uh, which is probably almost like my platonic ideal of what a good country pop song could be. Um, you know, they have that they have that chorus with that weird sort of like it's like a syncopated beat, but there's no beat there. Right. It's like it's like they it's like they would pause for a beat in the chorus, but it doesn't there's no beat there. It's just right. a pause. Um, and uh, and and after uh, you go through, uh, there's a there's a I think a steel guitar solo. Uh, the chorus comes back and then and then the banjo comes in, I think, for the first time in the song. Yeah. And it's just doing this lovely little pure. It's like almost like a Paganini it's sort of doing this arpeggiated pirouetting over the chords and it's just mm-hmm. so elegant and you picture like a gazelle walking on tiptoes across the, exactly. the the chords of the song it's it's so amazing and it just makes it like it just makes me feel like the world is going to be okay yeah it does <laughs> and, and, and and like look the subject matter of the so- the song if you like break it down is just being like this is a person who is in love with another person and yeah. like you you aren't seeing it 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 gets back to not classic country it gets back to classic 
rock and roll classic yeah, yeah. like buddy holly stuff like yeah yeah it, that's right it, it, it's the, the pining yeah right. it, it's right. such great songwriting it's a great thing and and so here's here's a little bit of there's a trouble here It was the the cries of of smash the patriarchy weren't uh, quite as loud as they are in 2018, and it's funny because the song, as, as great as it is, does play into that. Tr- it it doesn't quite get there as uh, to to this like this is the agency of of a young woman who wants this stuff. It 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 play because the audience is playing to, and this isn't their fault necessarily is men who want that out of women. This is like this is like the doe-eyed anime girl. Yeah. Uh, and, right. and and you you want the ma- the manic pixie girl if you, if you're feeling right. indie. Uh and it doesn't diminish like how fucking powerful the song is. You when it we were talking off mic when when it gets to that point when the banjo comes in, that banjo is is feminine. That that's the voice of the woman. It's, it's a flirty banjo. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a flirty banjo. You don't get flirty banjos a lot. Right. But, but it, and interestingly, too, then in the sequence of the album, I think I think they follow this with, with uh, When You Were Mine, which is yeah. a song told from the perspective of a woman who's been left. And there's that heartbreaking thing at the end of like, oh, there's two reasons here. Yeah. <laughs> and they're two and four. <laughs> and they're yeah. wondering where their daddy is. Yeah. Right? So, so it, even though they're kind of on the one hand maybe playing into a certain country convention. Yeah. They're then following it up with a like, oh, but by the way, that song that you just liked, there's someone that got screwed over. Yeah, which is which is the song. genius of this band ultimately and the yeah. genius of this album is that is that it 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 made concessions like that, uh, but then followed up with some that maybe somebody who loved that song is not gonna get the next song. <laughs> right. Right. They're just right. gonna be like, what are you talking about? I just got to pay yeah. child support. Like, like, <laughs> right. like you know, uh, you know, sorry, dudes. Like, you were fucking up as far back as 1998. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But, I think uh, Mr. Dowling. Yeah. So I was thinking, I just wanted to mention the fact that there were five singles off of this album, which for any album is astounding. And the, the run of time that they ran with this record was two years. Yeah. Like their mainstream label debut, they ran with for two years. And another thing that I found out, I was doing a quick Wikipedia search, is that uh, I think it's uh, Tonight the, the Heartaches on Me was the last single they released. And it had like a month or so like as like a single on radio. And then they immediately started pushing the second album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like this wow, thing yeah, yeah. like kept rolling like this this album yeah. was so good that it created such a feeling that you could like let this roll for like five years well and it, and i think that gets into what i was just talking about a little bit about the patriarchy you know before this point you had a lot of 
female stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had Reba, you had Dolly, you had uh, Martina McBride, you right. had uh, all these people, but yeah. you didn't necessarily have groups. And no, and P- and in, and by nineteen ninety, and that was actually in the eighties, bleeding into the nineties. By this point, you didn't have that anymore. People are really hungry for this. Yeah, and yeah. I think yeah. that the 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 key to to talk about is that okay. So like, and this is going to happen again in the mainstream. I agree. Is that you can replicate what people do in country, in just like country as a genre within itself, in the pop mainstream, one to one. Like there's an eye to eye where like, okay, so like the Dixie Chicks did this in country and in pop at the same time. Like this was a top 50 single band on their first record consistently. Like, so this meant that they were getting radio airplay every other hour with wide open spaces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you didn't hear it every hour, maybe for like one or two weeks, but you heard the song every other hour, every other hour or every yeah. three hours a day. So you're hearing... On like your 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 heyday, <laughs> you know, eighteen songs an hour, LA radio. You're hearing wide open spaces three to five times a day, and you get to this point where like they did this for five years. Yeah, yeah, and that's astounding. Like to so for people that don't get it, like so think about like the Beatles, like early era Beatles, like when the Beatles were releasing like you know Please Mr. Postman covers. Like from like sixty four to like nineteen seventy, the well, run that they had where like the music just kept coming. It was like a right. machine where you're just like, how many songs can these guys put out? It's the same yeah. thing that they did. But we're, this is on one album, and that's right. The thing. Yeah. And that's the yeah. thing for two years, and then it's like you get the fly, which is the next record, and it's like it just yeah. Yeah. goes, and you have, suddenly have this like five to six year body of work that's largely spawned from this album and the monoculture was weak then but there was still a monoculture right and they still managed to dominate it yeah <laughs> right yeah, I mean, exactly i mean because the... what's happening in the pop mainstream yeah. at the same point for people to understand this this is the new metal era at this point so this is like limp biscuit everything this is nookie oh no and this is break stuff uh, i blocked that out right yeah. and then this is also but I'm also a, for i'm people, gonna unfriend you that's right. what they play in the bad place according to the tv show yeah and then you have <laughs> like and then you have like like the 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 weak wu-tang album with like gravel pit is the lead single mm. that's not 36 <laughs> chambers that everybody thought was like the, the actual the wu-tang record yeah the w yeah. which yeah. is not a which is not like a pop record but it was a pop record mm. and def jam is making a comeback so like dmx is happening dmx is yeah. like uh, shout out to ab by the way I love dmx <laughs> I love that Ab loves DMX. <laughs> <laughs> right, flesh of my flesh. So you got like like the the debut DMX record is in there. So like in the midst of all of that, there's this yeah. space for like people. Okay, so think about it. There's a space for people who really don't like rap, and who really don't like aggressive rock that like samples rap. Because this is the first era where like rap is like right everywhere, and this is the first era where like the first era in a while where like aggressive heavy, hard dance music is everywhere because Fatboy Slim, you mentioned him, mm-hmm. and Darude Sandstorm comes out in 2000. And just this, I'm just trying yeah, to contextualize shit, this. Shit, I mean, yeah. Shit. Current Craft 400, which you hear at every single sporting event in the world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Zombie Nation is out. So in the midst of all of that, yeah, which is all for most people, like, crap, Jock Jams, the Jock Jams records are all out in this era. Yeah, yeah. So, like, get ready for this and yeah, all of yeah. that. You know, like, you know, bad, like, you know, Vince, uh, you know, Vince Castaldo covers of like arena rock records like that's that's happening. Like and then 
the 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 anathema, like the thing that's standing against it and standing out brilliantly against it, are the Dixie Chicks. Yeah, and then and and when they get to the end, you know, they get to uh, on their on their last album of original songs. The, you know, the opening song is uh, it's it's taking the long way, which I referenced earlier, and. And 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 the opening verse basically describes a character from a song on this album, and it's basically saying, "All my friends from high school marry their high school boyfriends. They live in the same zip codes where their parents lived, and that that was not for me, and that was never enough for me, and I had to go do something else." And and it just it just adds such weight to these songs to hear the kind of that, again, Lauren McKenna revisited yeah, brilliantly. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and they were and 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 to the, to Marcus's point about how ubiquitous they were. I just uh, uh, bought the Storytellers concert because um, uh, when did we that were come when with we were uh, Taylor subscription, it, it did not. It did not. I didn't. I didn't have to get any boost points. For oh, oh, I thought they gave you that as part of one of your boosts. No, so uh, so when we were in our Dixie Chicks hole a few weeks ago, I was like, I wonder if there's any concerts we can buy. And there was a, an old, you know, VH1 Storytellers show. Guess who's in the audience and who gets copious camera time, loving the shit out of these songs? Who? Carrie Washington. Of course. Oh, wow. Of course. Because <laughs> I promised I would bring oh, it back to Scandal. It's, it's all about Scandal so now. They were, they were ubiquitous enough that Carrie Washington was like, oh, the Dixie Chicks are playing? I need to be there. Right. It's a, it's a thing. Like, <laughs> because that's the thing. It's like everything else, because people have to understand it's about 1999, because people forget this. Like, everything else was also the Backstreet Boys Millennium comes out. Like, yeah. there's also sync happening at this time. So, like, you have this, this dirty pop era. Yeah, just dirty pop. You know, so yeah, and and you know the no strings attached album. So you have all of that stuff. Ha- TRL, oh yeah, my god, TRL. TRL is still happening. Hap- yeah. no, TRL is like the most relevant, quote unquote, the most yeah, relevant thing in it music. Is. And Holy then shit. there's so like Carson Daly. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So god, then there's so weird there's think about. all of that, and then on the other side, because at the, when the Dixie Chicks hit, they blocked out the sun. Mm-hmm. So like Randy, Tra- all those acts you named: Randy Travis, Travis Tritt. Vince Gill, everybody you mentioned, all these people that were like relevant in country, yep. suddenly were just country acts. And yeah, well, like just country because the pop act were well. Again, it the was the, it, it was the it was the the combination of we hadn't seen a group right. Uh, and, and and look, I am open to getting called on this, but I'm struggling. I'm not going to look it up right now. I'm struggling to think of a group a group of women singer songwriters <laughs> doing this stuff. Going back through the country from from the nineties to the even the sixties, that that even existed, yeah, like it was yeah. it was star material. It was yeah. you know re, back to Reba. Reba was the shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but the Dixie Tanya Chicks, Tucker, like come on, right. man. The Dixie Chicks were bigger. That was the thing. But that's yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing. It was it was finally it was like it was it was like it was the Justice League of country. Yeah. And any haters yeah. on the movie Justice League, unsubscribe. St- still, still haven't seen it. Like, like think about it. Like you, <laughs> you'd have to, you would have to play like the Limp Bizkit record and then the Dixie Chicks record yeah. in the same hour on radio. Yeah, and this, right. this is how batshit bananas pop radio was at that point. So, in hindsight, doesn't that start to give us an uh uh, uh to to go like in a really weird place? Doesn't that start to give us a little insight into? Where we ended up in 2018? Absolutely. That's that. Yeah. Thank you because I was going to go be, there. Be, thank be, you for going. Because there. you know, if you think about that, like the people on the same radio station, you have people who are like 
it's all about the nookie, the nookie, the yeah. nookie. Like, and then cookie. I, I don't know. Space. Right. And wide open spaces. And, and, and but this it, is actually, this is actually the biscuit and from, it's, and it's started, gotta have faith. Yeah. Era. And it started Jesus. dividing yeah. people into, uh, what they, what they like and don't like. And, and it's a problem, I think, in, in music criticism and, and in just general, like, artistic appreciations. Like, people can't, uh, divide the two but the reason is is because it's so uh it's so grounded it's in 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 it's it's physical it's like we're using the the uh ben halen podcast it's carnal yes it's it's so part of your being sometimes because that's what music is Mm -hmm. so is it any surprise that like little biscuit bros are now fucking rocking out the red solo cup yeah, and, yeah. I mean, Nikki, Nikki, and Buy Like a Back Road are basically the same song. Yeah, like they they are. They just are. And and probably Homeboy would wear a backwards New York Yankees red New York Yankees cap. <laughs> I, I would totally. That's not even. <laughs> yeah. That's not even weird in this conversation. Like, yep. I mean, yep. it's not. It's a it's a vicious circle, man. Yeah, it's a vicious circle. But it's but it's that's where we are. And I think that. To the point about, okay, so they got, this is the other point I wanted to make, and I'm glad we can make it. Um, to the point about women in country right now, and the, all the issues we have with women in country. Um, this would be the point where I would say to everybody who's like making songs in country and a woman to like look at these records and go, okay, so like what's the record that I can make where like a man touching me is not going to be the like great delineator as to whether or not the song is going to get played? Right. And yep. these songs all supersede any man. T- I'm sure that somebody got touched in the middle of all this stuff. Wouldn't surprise me. It's 1999. This mm-hmm. is when, you know, dudes are listening to Nookie. So, of course, you know, yeah. they're grabbing yeah, cookies. Yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah, sure. it. <laughs> and sticking them up there. Yeah, you know, that's what they do. But um, they're, yeah. But, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah. so exactly. But, uh, so, I mean, you have to, like, really try to, like, fill a space that is, like, organic to the level of, like, 1747 folk <laughs> like <laughs> there's like a banjo player in the dixie chicks is right. the thing that exists and then there's like you have to also be able to go into like rock and pop which is a thing that's foreign to the world like making the r&b song is cool but like there's people like that we know and and on multiple levels who could make the r&b song so there's yeah. a rock and pop space there's like a a, a soulful rock space where like the Fleetwood Mac thing is, and you could do all of that stuff and and make a record where you don't have to worry as much about a possible Me Too violation in the the the, the A and Ring of your record. And and I think as we wind this down, like this yeah. may be something we get into more this year. It's something that I kind of joked at on the uh, you and you all were down here. This is the Country Crew. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd love yes, to get I'd love to get Timothy Ann in on the Country Crew. Oh no, she, she's got to get in. Yeah, for but, sure. But uh, but. You know, one thing I said, and, and we didn't follow up on that I meant uh, when I said it, was uh, th- there's some songs like, what is, like, an actual song? Not to get, like, too far out. We aren't the fish show yet. So, but, but you know, you know, what is, you know, we talk about and critics talk about when they try to explain something and contextualize it in a historical standpoint like what it means in context of that, but like really, how did that happen? Like what what came to them that that makes 
wide open space is what it is that makes all these things what it is and as and it's really Limp Bizkit that brought me to thinking this, which Good. is horrible. Because shout out, shout out to DJ Lethal because that con- because Durst. that contrast of because that West contrast Portland. of of having Limp Bizkit at the same time this is going on, it feels almost like this had to be going. There has to be a balance. Yeah, it's like as the dark side of the force gets Maybe stronger. Maybe I was going to go yeah, there exactly uh, uh, of the force. You're looking at a porg. There's a poor guy on, on, on the pod desk, <laughs> right? Of course, but but yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're in general, we know that things just need balance, right? And putting it in contrast of of Limp Bizkit, that this absolutely balanced it out, it overbalanced it because yeah. <laughs> as toxic as that was mm-hmm. for everything, yeah. I mean, Limp Bizkit is a band we'll never talk about beyond this podcast, but. <laughs> But we, but Limp Bizkit was toxic in just playing, yep. in subject matter, in presentation. It was, it was, is purely toxic. And um, they were the Van Halen of their era. No, they weren't because yes, Van they... Van Halen was just cheesy and 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 mildly, uh, <laughs> mildly, I don't know, bruising to to like our our goodness. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Limbiscuit was not. Limbiscuit <laughs> had no artistic merit and continues to have no artistic merit. It, it is simply like jock rock taken to its logical stream. It's a dick with decibels. So that's, that's an amazing. That's that's, yeah. that's an amazing. That's got to be a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 when you have that out in the world, you need something to combat it, and this was what we mm. had. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, here, here. So, are you guys, uh, you guys, got any final thoughts? Or are we? I, I'm. I'd love the shit out of this band, and the fact that we're uh, sitting down here talking about it feels like uh, the natural culmination of you know a year and a half or so of the three of us getting together most yeah, Tuesday nights yeah, to talk yeah. about country music. Yeah. Well, I, think uh, not. I, I think that if if you're a fan of the Beyonce record, fan of the Solange record. Oh, Jesus, yeah. A fan of, like, all of, like, yeah, the, the Scissor record, even. I'll, I'm now including the Scissor record in that conversation. That's fine. I, you know, I'm fine with that. Because of the, because of the you know, the conversation where Ab, like, you know, verbally lambasted me. I'm mentioning it on air because it happened. <laughs> and he forced me to listen to the Scissor record, and I'm convinced that it's really solid now. So, like, if you listen to any of those three records, because it's, like, a week before Grammy. And, uh, you know, so, like, I want to say that, like, if you listen to any of those records and you love them, then listen to the Dixie Chicks record. Because, again... Country music, and it's 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 the natural order of things. It's it's gonna cross over in a big way very very soon. Yeah, like more you, so, right? It's already crossover. No, but like in a real like yeah, yeah. Number, I know in a number you, one I, I Billboard you're... song yeah. kind of thing, like become very acquainted with this album because all the stuff that you like about all those other like you know African American female R and B albums, it's right here too. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I agree, and that's the hallmark of great songwriting, and that's that's why, like, as as omnivoric as we all, the three of us are, are all down here, this is why you get into like other kinds of music. Why you become a complete music nerd is because you you like the stuff you like. I mean, right. I, I'm never not going to fully ha- have it just a total cosmic reaction to like Boston and Hall and Oates. <laughs> but but that's but that is echoed in so many different artists. Like you don't have to you don't have to limit yourself to that. 
you you'll always get your candy, um, but you can always you know the sugar is laid out across the universe. To <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my God. That was, that was really sorry, man. That's really... that was really existential, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, we went cosmic. As, as is we went uh, subatomic. Like hey, Ant-Man. you know, it's what it, it, we're talking about: wide open spaces. That's right. Well, there you go. Good call. That's, that's why. That's why you're the king, man. <laughs> Thank you guys for being down here. Uh, go out, and if you haven't revisit, if you haven't heard it, listen to it. If you haven't re, uh, if you haven't uh, revisited it lately, uh, do so, because uh, Dixie Chicks' time is now. I think so. Uh, All right, fuck Trump. Wide open spaces for you right there. A, uh, a classic album, a, a discologist uh, entry here for you. I hope you enjoyed that uh, as much as we enjoyed talking about it. That, you know, in, in doing this, we do a lot of research for these things. And part of it is, of course, listening to the album. But a lot of it is listening to a band's entire discography and seeing how it's situated in there. Because uh, now that we've had these many years of context, we can we can look back and see what it all meant, not just what it meant to us. Then, uh, thanks to Eduardo and Marcus, as always, for coming and hanging out. That is our podcast uh, for this Thursday and our podcast for this week. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can leave us a rating or a message there. It's actually called Apple Podcasts, but <laughs> it gets so confusing. Um, you can listen to us on Stitcher, Mixcloud, Google Play, and now on Spotify. Uh, that is That is a great place to listen to it, so... You could go listen to Dixie Chicks, uh, Wide Open Spaces on Spotify, and then just sort of flip right over, search us, put in Wide Open Spaces, Chunky Glasses, all one word, and we'll come up, and you'll be there. You don't have to leave the app. It's kind of amazing, actually. Um, as always, we'd like to thank our podcast host, Pippa, Pippa.io. If you have a good idea for a podcast and you got a few bucks in your pocket you can spend every month, uh, Pippa has got your hookup, guys. And let me tell you, we we were uh, we used to host we used Squarespace to build the site, uh, which if you go over there www.chunkyglasses.com, you can see the amazing work of Matt Conn and Mauricio Castro and Avery Junius out there doing live stuff every night of the damn week. Um, but uh, we used to host our Squarespace or our podcast there, and uh, the metrics weren't great. Sorry, Squarespace. I know you get better, but but and then just heard about this company called Pippa. They, uh, they made it very easy for us to move over five years of podcasts and, um, and get them all organized, get them up, get them streaming all in one place, uh, get them situated in iTunes and all the services. And, uh, and more than that, like they were so responsive in the process. Uh, it's ridiculous. To this day, we can, you know, if, if you are a member here and, you, and you, they host your thing, you know, they have a little chat thing, and you get in it and say, hey, man, I have this issue, and somebody will answer it pretty much immediately. It's kind of crazy, and you can make suggestions to how it's going to look, like, as far as, like, the player that you see on the post. Like, 
they're just great is what I'm saying. So if you, if you have an idea and it's not putting noise in the universe, you think it's an actually good thing and, and you want to do it as a podcast, a spoken word type of thing, go to Pippa.io. They've got you covered. Uh, also, huge thanks to Jamal Gray, as always, Uptown Art House is where he's currently situated. But the music you're hearing right now underneath is made by Aquatic Gardener. Uh, they just played a uh, anniversary party for a site here in Washington, D.C., D.C. Music Download. Um, as Nog Champa, uh, they're taking a little break from that, performing out. This, they get some other stuff going. Reaganomics is a bunch of bands. But my point is, Jamal is the guy out there doing the work. And uh, and we are proud to be playing his music here every every week on this podcast. Uh, so go out and get that on Bandcamp. The links in the show notes. And um, and if you uh, you know if you have if you got your tax rebate and you're like I really like to support the arts because Trump is not supporting the fucking arts. There's a little link in there for the Patreon that we run. Uh, to date, nobody really contributes, and we don't really expect it's you know it's fine. We're fine. We're mostly privileged old white people. Um, but if you do like what you hear and you want to support us, you can go there and you can give us any amount of money you like. That money all goes to, right now, let's see, we're looking at mic upgrades. We are looking at uh, paying people for years of service. Nobody has uh, really received any money, including me. And I, and I will not until until we're, until we're, like, funded like a business. But... Um, it goes stuff like that, and then uh, a little in the bank, so maybe we'll, uh, we'll get out there live, put on some bands, some shows in your face. I don't know. A lot of fun things coming up in 2018, maybe. Um, so you can do that. Uh, coming up next week, we got a fun week. Now, on Monday, we're going to do an interview. This is the first interview of the year, I think. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be talking to my friend Andrew Grossman, he is the the leader and the uh, man, the main man behind the band The North Country here in Washington, D.C. They made uh, one, actually two of my favorite albums of the past few years. And uh, and we're going to get him down here to talk about it. Uh, and it was a great conversation. I hadn't seen him for, or sat down with him talking about a year or two. And, and uh, it was great. You're going to love it. And, and, and then on Thursday, coming up, we have uh, our friend Casey Ray returns. And Casey is bringing his encyclopedic knowledge of Van Halen along with him as we discuss Van Halen 1 and, and basically interrupt Marcus, who is down here. <laughs> but, but it happens. And, uh, well, it was, it was great. But at any rate, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. Talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!